Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rose Hour Podcast. And we have two amazing guests. First up, the dynamic duo of Cruology Vines and the owner, founder, creator of Love Corkscrew. Pew, 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 pew. It's Renee here at the Rosie Hour Podcast, and today I'm here with Bartender Ben. Hey, Renee J. Johnson, how are you? You know, I am dandy. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. I feel like, you know, I had to. spoken. Yeah, I had to get my, uh, you know, Sunday school, uh, not on a Sunday, uh, <laughs> quote in for the day, you know, because these are the times. It you know? is. It is. We definitely need prayer now. Yeah. 2020 has been rough. Well, and to quote Drew Hill, these are the times we all live for, the moment when less means so much more. We don't have to do anything at all. We could just take our time, you know. I, I forgot the wrestling song. Those were, yeah. You know, a good old R&B from the 80s lyric also goes well for these days. Hey. <laughs> There's always crying in their, I mean, crying, like raining in their videos. Yeah. yeah, there's always like, and even in the happier ones, like, there is rain. Yeah, or well, like the shower scene where they're singing in the shower. I mean, I think there are some of the most happiest moments in life is when you sing in the shower. Well, because we don't have music like that anymore. We have music that are like, you know, uh, you know, where it's very mm-hmm. vulgar. <laughs> and it's the, very the, the the respect for uh the relationship and courting of partners, isn't it? Yeah. It's no like I miss you, you know what? Uh, it, seven whole days and not a word from you, seven whole nights. Not a word. Can't take it. Won't take it. Had about enough of you. Yeah. I'm gonna be on my own. I love it. Some uh, Tony right. Braxton. I'm sorry. Me too. I love it. I love how uh, deep and sultry her voice is. Since you've been gone. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, like they don't make music like that. I mean, everything is like. I mean, to quote. Okay. Yes, I do like some ratchetity of today's music. Like future, I do like future. I just like future's beat. I don't know any of the words to his songs. That's pretty much what um, most music is created now. Yeah, I'm all um, about a beat. I because like it, it gets you going, especially like if you were running on a treadmill or like working out. Like the beats go hard. Yeah, you know. Well, I, I would say. And, and don't take this the wrong way of listenership. The degradation of the quality of music is directly related to who's buying the music. Go deeper. That. So, in the early 90s, 
Mm-hmm. You know, the golden era of hip-hop, R&B, right? Mm-hmm. Majority of the consumer was male. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was about a, about a 70-30 split. 7-30? In favor of men. Okay. Right? So, as music progresses and men stop buying CDs and music and women increase but interest women in music is not the same as men especially in hip hop right a man is like hey the, the lyrics gotta be good he gotta rap right his street career gotta be a certain way he has to be a certain criteria to be somebody I would purchase you know so with women it's just like we have to be good and it sound good he cute it's okay so more of that became the focus in the intensity of the music well I mean I did just say I like a good beat right however yeah. I never said anything about Will is you because one thing I don't because like here's the thing right videos are not something that people watch anymore right there's no video soul MTV jams you know TRL all these shows like videos mean nothing especially to those in the older age range like I know like kids today they they want to upload everything to YouTube but even then like they don't even own the rights to their own music videos once they upload it to YouTube they become the property of YouTube and they just don't understand copyright um, and like royalties or anything and the real value of money that's a whole nother conversation for these kids but I say all that to say like no one cares about a video so I don't care what they look like but, well, but but like I think like in the 90s it was more about what you look like because Craig Mack was like teased horribly why right because why Craig Mack was not an, an attractive man people said right mm-hmm. Method Man looked crazy in some videos and wasn't until later on when he tried to make himself look more of an attractive person and not funny like Red Man when they separated, then he became more of a symbol, but it wasn't because of his music. He tried to separate that. So like, I, I, I dare to say that it's a little different. And I would say for women, it's a little different, which I hate because like we had the queen of herself, you know, queen herself, Queen Latifah, you and I, T, you, you know how much I love that song. She never went platinum. Well, I, I would say that's more geared towards the content. And, and, and what people forget is these people, are, it's supply and demand. The music industry is supply and demand. Just like any product that you're trying to sell or market. Music is a product. Like, to be honest, people don't want to hear positive music. They want to live vicariously through music. People naturally do positive things all the time because that's what society forces us to do so music is an escape that's the reason why really hip-hop is what it is especially gangster rap 99% of the of the listeners have never done anything that they heard in that music before okay you do have a point with that okay because I and I used to tell you about this mm-hmm. okay so I have a problem when I drive and I listen to hardcore rap I visualize myself like I'm doing drug deals right. I would never do that but it's like the music it's like yeah you know right I just I got 10 kilos in my trunk I don't right. have 10 kilos I don't even know what 10 kilos look like so I mean you know in, in, in all reality music is I mean especially hip hop it's like WWE and this is no discredit to people who's actually have done what they spoke in lyric but music 
when you boil it down as entertainment. Just like wrestling, just like anything. Well, I mean, WWE is not entertainment. It is real life. Do not ever speak those words again. Okay? Yes, ma'am. All right. All right. But, you know, <laughs> and, and, and what I was saying when, when you was talking about Craig Mack, that was a direct correlation to who was buying music in the industry at that time. It was men. That's why an ugly dude could be accepted. That's why somebody like Biggie could be accepted. Black Rob, whoa. I mean, that song went hard. Man, chicks uptown, they was... You feel me? But, you know, I, I, I would say, um, and I definitely want to write that book, <laughs> How the Digital Age Changed and Destroyed the Music Industry. Because you got a lot of renegade artists right now that just run around, they don't have a label, and they're not conducting their business right. So you get a lot of bad product that's introduced into the industry. Because it's so easy to create it now. Well, and it's all the same. Like, I don't know how many... Well, one, people steal the same beats off of YouTube. Because nobody makes real beats anymore. It's looped all the same. They like change a snare drum and it's like, oh man, my beat's different. Mm-hmm. No, it's the same beat that someone else made. Um, and it's just slowed down or sped up. Um, so there's no originality. They all rap the same. They all yell the same. And they basically have the same cadence in their voice. Right. I mean, I think the objective for a lot of artists in the in the industry is to become famous and not to have you know uh, longevity in music so when you have a, a mindset like that that's really prevalent through the industry you gonna have a lot of people doing the same thing they're gonna copy the last person that was successful and just mimic those activities because the end result isn't really to make money is to be famous so if I look like the dude that's famous I'm gonna get there I guess I but, just you, you know, know I mean but you see that, like my dad used to say proof of the pie is in the eat if you look at artists like Chance the Rapper he actually invested in himself as an artist and built himself as a brand any trading on the stock exchange mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying but that's the type of investment itself and the return on investment you get when you do invest in yourself. Well, and also, like, his dad's a lawyer and, like, his personal lawyer is, like, one of my best friends who was actually on the podcast, Camion Buckner, who is a state representative of the state of Illinois. But, like, that's, I, I mean, to that point, like, also, too, right? Like, uh, what positions himself to, to align and get the Right. But, like, who yeah. who's that other, um, the, the rapper that used to, uh, uh, Cue the fool. His mom's an attorney as well. And it's like, what type of... Cue the fool is not a household name. Yet he has some of the similar backings and opportunities as what Chance the Rapper had. And he was signed to Rockefeller, which was almost in suit to what Chance the Rapper had, right? And what did your people do right your parents are lawyers your parents come from this understanding too and it's like what have they invested was it a quick dollar they were trying to gain because i feel like that's what was happening with him well i think i think it's more so him targeting another market so chance the rapper isn't targeting the same market that q the fool would so the market that q the fool is, is is tapping into doesn't spend the same amount of money and it's, just, it's smaller than what Chance the Rapper's hitting. Chance the Rapper's getting white girls in Idaho. 
Well, and also he has the Christian base too, you, because like you know, you, like you in, in, in Chicago, you know, like as I have my Chicago sweatshirt on today, um, we we it's it's interesting how embedded Christianity is within our culture of Chicago in everything, right? Like from schools to just everything, even gang culture has Christianity embedded in, in Chicago. It's kind of interesting. Um, but like you, you can hear it in any artist. You hear Mahalia Jackson coming through in any Chicago rapper. Like you hear it, whether it's common, whether it's um, <laughs> name seven rappers from oh, Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> they all have that Christianity, believe in Christ feeling to it. They all have a song where it's like, "I thank you, Jesus, for this moment." You know, so I I, I see your point to that. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, it's just it's all about trajectory. It's you know, kind of like any career. Like if you target a certain you know set of clientele that don't you know, you know, especially like a, like a lawyer. Like if you went after the big cases, you get big purses. You know, if you do the smaller cases, you know. It's still the work you're doing the people's work, but you're not getting the recognition. So it's like you know, a cute fool going into the trap market, where there's artists that go into that market. They they quickly broaden their horizons and do other things, like you know, like Migos. They could be considered trap rap, but they also do other things and position themselves in other situations to where they're not just trap. That's true. That's true. So, you know, I mean, comparing the two, I mean, it's just what people go after and the fan base they go after. True, true, true. I get it. That makes that makes some sense. So, and and to that, right, we have on our show today, uh, Cruology Vines, which are two New York-based teachers, which they talk a little bit about like how. You know, they got their start and it sounds like, you know, there's some synergy in sort of what we're talking about, like of how you're using opportunity to meet the need of a space. So I feel like they take being high school teachers and meeting the need of a space of educating people about wine. So like, right. you know, that's kind of cool. And then also we talked to um, the owner of Love Corkscrew and today we're drinking their rosé and it's Famously, a uh, Chicago winery. Um, seeing all the synergy of Chicago today, we guys. Need to, we need to stop by there when we in Chicago. Of course, and it's called the rose. Is called We Go High, like Miss Obama has stated. And their rose wine has hints of berry on the nose, with almond and citrus on the palate. Vibrant coral color, nicely paired with light pasta, salads, grilled fish, goat cheeses as well. And I don't know the alcohol content. I think it's, I think it's like 11. So it's pretty delicious. Mm-hmm. It's pretty delicious. But yeah. like, this is all about Chicago in this moment right here. So the tale of two cities, a New York, New York got crazy loot, but out of time is scared shoot. Harlem know how to play. You don't know that song? Yeah, yeah, I know that song. You know what's crazy about that song? Lord Tariq Peter Guns. I bought the single as a kid, so me growing up, I had a really good relationship with this local record shop that was up the street. And I really missed that about the music industry. And as I think about it, I'm about to cry. 
you know, the excitement you would get going into the record store at on Tuesday and to see what new things they're putting out on the shelf. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. You know, um, they don't shout do out to, no to Sabin's Discount Record Shop. It was at the corner of Pennsylvania Branch. My true Washingtonians know what I'm talking about. Oh. It was an amazing career family there. And the mom knew where all of the records were in the shop. And she probably listened to it. She was probably like, I get yes. it. She was probably you, like a gangster. Literally. So she, there was a write-up in the Washington Post about her specifically highlighting how well she knew the catalog mm. in the store. Yeah, I so. mean, she she was vested, and that's what I love, you know, and like people who know their music. And so since I did a, a, a rap lyric of New York, I have to do one for Chicago. Go ahead. I'm coming home again. If you think about me now and then. <laughs> if you think about me now and then. Hey, Chicago. Chicago. Man, Shy City. And hey. I'm so excited. Keep I know we're going to get into our first interview, but I'm so excited because we did... I don't know if we noticed what we just did. We did the Tale of Two Cities. See, she's a brilliant woman. She ties things together really well. Yes. So, New York, we got love for you. You know, this is New York. Love the music. Chicago, you are my, forever my home. Forever. See you Thanksgiving. Forever. See you Thanksgiving. <laughs> ah! Okay, let's get to this first interview with Huology Vines. Let's do it. <laughs> Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosie Hour Podcast. And today, y'all, we have two dope queens, man. Two dope queens. But not just two dope queens, two teachers who have gone into the wine industry. They're doing amazing things. They're in the state of New York. They have a New York state of mind. And they're just busting a concrete jungle with wine bottles and grapes and everything else that's amazing. The amazing Teresa and Dulele of Cruology Vines. Hey, hey ladies! Hey. Hi! Hey, how are you? It's so good to be here. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, thank you. <laughs> y'all are probably the most hyped women ever, and like you guys are teachers. So you yeah. got to be hype. <laughs> yeah, we have to we have to keep the hype. Right. So how did you guys start Cruology Vines? Um, I mean, we it was a conversation um of our love for champagne first. Um, and how we would leave work and be like, oh my God, we have to, <laughs> I'm going to have a glass tonight. Um, and, <laughs> and then it became this whole thing like, well, what's your favorite? And well, my favorite is. And then eventually went, it migrated from that to Rosé's and um, our collectiveness. And, and somehow we were like, well, why don't we do something about our palettes? Our palettes seem to be off the hook. And because, you know, we would recommend each other different stuff and, both be like whoa and then the next thing you know we're like this is a really good rosé or this is a really good champagne so I mean I, I feel like that's kind of how it started it was more like a conversation and mixture of stress uh, for after workout <laughs> and we're also moms too so it's, it's a lot we have a lot of hats 
that we wear. Um, right? I mean, we should say the same to each other. Yeah, we we have we we have we're doing a lot at one time, and um, we just wanted to find something that, or not even find something. It actually found us. We mm. just. We love we love wine. We love to talk about it. We love to taste it. We love exploring new wine wineries. Anything that has to do with the wine industry is like ah! <laughs> so. So that's how we came together, and um, and Chronology Vines was born just like that. It was mm-hmm. just so effortless. It just poofed right out of out of the sky. So yeah, it really, really just it just really came to life. It's so it's so true. Yeah. So what is Chorology um, Vines? I mean, it's a way to educate uh, anyone that's intimidated by wine. Because I mean, one thing we've all we both can say, um, I think we've seen people get intimidated when someone says, "Oh, how do you pair your wine with this?" or "What kind of wine is this?" What's a Pinot Noir and all that and I think that especially people of color people our people we we um we really wanted to focus on really sharing what we already love which which is wine champagne we, we love it um and also just the knowledge without making it feel like it's intimidating you know um so it's almost like wine education um and a little bit more you know yeah yeah and so wine education like you, do you guys have certifications and background? I mean, I know you guys are educators. So, like, what does what does that mean, like, teaching people about it as well? I mean, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we, like, like, like I was sharing before, we, we um, even just doing wine tastings, a lot of times when we've consulted with uh, people that want to do tastings with us before they book us to do it, uh, we'll say, do you want us to educate or do you want to just make it where we just pair with whatever you're eating? And a lot of the times it's, uh, the, the individuals are like, no, we want to know more. We want to know more. Um, and we and our goal is to make it fun, you know, not make it scary or like mm-hmm. too snotty or too taboo. We want to make it where it's approachable and it is fun. And, and, and we can't say that we know it all online. Um, there's a famous quote where they say something like... Um, you know, if a person's saying that they know all about wine, they really don't know. With what we've experienced, even us as as knowledgeable as we are when it comes to wine and as much as passionate as we are, we keep learning new things. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's always something to learn. Right. And um we want we're where we are making it very approachable. And we've had some tastings and we everybody has so much fun. It's like a part. Right. Okay. Right. There's no need to. There's no need to um, think about wine as something that's not that's not reachable, that you can't touch, and that you can't have, and that you can't taste, and that you can't really enjoy. Um, it's it's for everybody. It is for everybody, and that's what we want to bring to the masses. Exactly. Exactly. So I mean, it's really just more of having that. You know, just unlayering all those taboos about, oh, this is very uppity and snooty and not for people of color. This is something that we can do and we could do it with a lot of fun. And like she said, I mean, it's it's, it's approachable. It's approachable. Um, and, 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 and we're having a good time in the process of it, too. Because, again, we're also learning. Yes. Yes. There's so many different varietals that I was like, oh, wow. Let me taste this. Let me taste that. I love this. I don't like that. 
know? Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's important to know, like, what works for you and what doesn't. So, like, teaching right. people that is so, so important. <laughs> right, right. And over time, your palate changes because what I drank 30 years ago, I won't even look at today. Mm. Right. Same here. Same uh-huh. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some We stuff. can all probably agree that we started off, we, we, thought we can probably all agree that we all started with something somewhat sweeter mm-hmm. back in the days. And now it's like, we can't even fathom it. And it's not because it tastes bad. It's just that our palate's like, nah, we not, we can't, we can't do that. Um, and then and it's also also the discovery of how certain wines can go well with, you know, even if they're somewhat sweet, some of them can go well with certain meals, too. So even if you're not into the sweet, sweet stuff anymore, you know, there's also a way to learn to have it with dessert without feeling, you know, like, oh, OK, I can still have a little something. Uh, and we've learned that even with our wine classes that we've taken. Right. Where we had that. What was that? That yeah. wine that we had to have. And it was like, oh, my God, I'm scared. And then when we had it, it was like, oh, okay, I guess you can sip this with, mm-hmm. you know, chocolate or whatever. So, you know. You discover more too. about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. We're learning. Um, it's, but it's been so much fun. It doesn't even feel like, <laughs> doesn't even feel like work. But, it, you know, so I guess you, that's the point. Would you say the pandemic has, like, sort of helped you learn more about wine or... I mean, I'm trying to look to upsides about the pandemic, right? So <laughs> would you say that it's, well, it's would, helped you explore yourself more in the wine world? or I, I think it has because even though we're still busy because we have children under 12 mm. um, and we have to keep them busy, I think also it, it, it gave us more time to actually focus on what is making us happy. What makes us happy at this time? Okay, because as you know, you know it's 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 a horrible time actually. But you have to try to make the best of it somehow. Right. And mm-hmm. um, so we focus on the things that make us happy. So it's our family and wine. Yes. So we just kind of like just dove in and say, okay, this is the time that we have been given. Let's not waste it. Right. You know. I like that. And. So it's giving us more opportunities to study, to look at what else is out there, what other people are doing, what we can do. And we have to pivot along with uh, the social distancing because we can no longer do wine tastings in a fabulous place or a fabulous wine store or boutique. So we pivot. We had to pivot with the times and we were doing them social distancing we did them on the backyards and it, it turned out to be so wonderful and so much fun. So this is like dope and we did virtual wine tasting it's dope it's you know it's, you just take take your lemons and make lemonade or take your grapes to make wine that's what we did that's <laughs> right. exactly what we did um i mean i want to say that even going to the wine store and i, I know Teresa can agree a hundred thousand percent um going into the wine store now it's like i'm not going to just go grab what i would usually grab after getting out of work or whatever right like now it's, it's different. You're going to the wine store and you're like, I want to drink something different tonight. Or if I'm cooking fish, or if I'm cooking whatever I'm cooking, I want to make sure that I can think of a good way to pair it with something. So it's not, it's no longer a, let me shop for some wine because I had a bad day. It's more like, okay, if I am having a bad day and I'm going to the wine store, what am I pairing it with my dinner? 
Um, and it becomes a different experience when you go into the store and you start to look at things that you haven't, you know, you might even Google, you might even read a little bit. Because sometimes if you go to certain wine stores, they'll even have descriptions of like ratings. And you're like, okay, you know what? So-and-so rated this 93 points. I'm going to give it a shot, see if mm-hmm. it's living up to its name. And then this is when we start blogging about whatever we've tasted um, and so forth. So I think the pandemic has self-educate, we've been able to self-educate and we've also been able to step out and educate ourselves through other parties and means too. So I, I feel like it's been, although it's not a great time in the world, it's been helpful for us to kind of like, like Teresa said, make sure we appreciate the time we've been given to dive in and really do things like, okay, you know what, I'm going to walk through the store and just really walk around. Or I'm going to go online and do an order pickup and just really make sure I'm reading the ratings and let's see how it tastes. It might be okay, it might not be, you know, things like that. So I think it just makes the experience uh, a little more personal during the pandemic. Um, But it's definitely been uniquely, what's the word, uniquely uh, positive. No, and that's that's awesome too to know that like as you say, and I'm gonna coin your your term, making wine out of grapes, you know? Like yeah. this could be sour, but you guys are making it something amazing. So that's cool to right. know. That's awesome. Yeah. What's like some like what's a wine event that you guys curated during this time that you're like, you know what, we did that. <laughs> oh, wine event. Um we went to, we've done some James Suckling ones, which mm-hmm. were fun. Um, and uh, we were able to taste 100 point wines. And we both, it's funny, we both didn't agree on, we both didn't like the 100 point. There was one that we were like, oh, this is 100 points. And then there was one that wasn't 100 points. <laughs> and y'all were like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So this one point, this one wine, I think it was a close, I forgot what the name of, the full name was. And it's supposed to be like this, this creme de la creme uh, Chilean wine. And we were both, we both, it was a long line too. Remember, Teresa? It was like a long yeah. line. And we were like, well, well, let's see what the hype is. Let's just taste it and see. And we didn't, uh, it tastes very soily, like earth and and some people like it because I, I remember having it. My, my husband and I went to another tasting together, and he tasted, and he liked it, but I still didn't like it. I was like, let me try one more time. <laughs> it tastes like earth and soil. Ooh. It was not. It was not that. For, I mean, and I guess for us, for our palate, it just wasn't wasn't right. And we had another one, and we we still to this day talk about that Chilean wine, um, Triple C. Yeah, that was just. It was beautiful. It had the floral notes. It just, it was just perfection and it was under 30. It was like, what, it's like $30? It's like a $35 bottle, I think, at most. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't rated 100 points, but it should have been. No. And in our, in our world, it should have been rated 100 points. It was right, right. Wine is so subjective. Right. Um, you know, you can't even, you can't even say, oh, that's a bad wine. Right. You just say, that doesn't fit my palate. Because right. at any, you know, over time, an individual, their palate does change. Right. And it could change due to age, due to hormones, due to medication. It could change due to anything, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, so that, that's quite interesting. So what I don't like today, I might like 30 years from now. Right. <laughs> right. 
I mean, I try to give the, the, the one that we tried, I try to give it a chance again. And I still didn't like it, but who's to say that five years from now, it might not be fantastic to us, you know? But at the time, you know, again, it was rated that 100 points. But we were both like, mm, we think Triple C, if anything, this should have been the... But then again, everyone's palate, as Lisa's saying, so everyone's palate is different. And it does change over time. So it's not to say that that same wine won't make us happy in three, four years from now. Right. You know, but, you know, these are things that we're learning as well. So it's like, you know, okay, right now we hate this, <laughs> but maybe in five years it's going to be fantastic. So we can't say ill. We just have to kind of be respective to the notes and what, what it does for the palate. And then whoever, whoever it attracts, Who's attracted to that will either purchase that wine or say, "Okay, I'm willing, I'm willing to try it." Um, you know, because that's how I, I, as a wine consumer, that's how I think. I know Teresa is the same. We'll see something. We'll be like, you know, what? I like great fruit notes, or I like tropical notes in a Sauvignon Blanc. I'm going to give this one a shot because it says that there might be some tropical. So it's like these things do kind of trigger how you're going to purchase too. You know. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of stuff that it's a lot. It's a lot. It, it, there's so many layers to the wine uh, industry and just being, you know, not not just a consumer, but also someone who's blogging about it. It's like, okay, what can we attract? How can we attract everyone to want to at least try one of the wines we post or whatever? Um, so it, 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 it's so there's so many layers. No, oh, no, I totally understand. Um, you guys are doing some amazing work and, and again like you guys post some amazing amazing content and so how can people connect and follow you guys uh, and also purchase uh, some amazing products you guys have as well as if they want uh, to get connected to uh, have a, a tasting you know hosted by you all well we have um, a link on our uh, bio in Instagram Crowley Vines we have the link tree so you're able to either shop or just read our blog or subscribe. And then, um, you know, we try to, we just try to attract everyone. So, like, we, we, we try to post for days where it's, it's National Moscato Day, it's National Albarino Day. It doesn't matter what day it is. We try to remind everyone that, you know, wine is a, a way of living. And so it's celebration. It's it's uh, it, it is part of you know when you sit down and have dinner or, or brunch it is a thing it's it's part of it should be part of your culture in the sense of like just of celebrating and enjoying your day in some way or form um but you know on our page we, we pretty much are very clear of, of that we try to we try to be very socially conscious too and politically conscious so yeah we try to attract everyone that you know yeah, really to our to our circumstances, you know. Yeah, we've been blessed to have this platform, and yeah. people, you know, like our page. So I feel, you know, we feel that it's 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 our responsibility because if we weren't doing the page, we would be doing this anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know. So this is not right. this is not a front. This is uh, that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you would still be drinking all these wines, and we probably yeah. about with we are wine nerds. We love the whole like process of smelling, tasting. And even just how does it, how is it made? How is it harvested? Like what grape is what grape is difficult? Like we 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 would inquire about that regardless. Um, it's just that now we have, like Teresa said, we have the platform, and it's like it's even. I think it's even more fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Oh, it is because we get to interact. 
yeah. but just to interact with everybody. And I think in, the interaction is so much fun. Yeah. Um, um, if anybody would like to do a tasting with us, they can schedule a virtual tasting with us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Ooh. we tailor it to them. Like, what do you want to taste? Do you want to do white wines, the white wines mm-hmm. in a certain region? You know, we can, we can make it work. We make it work. We're women. We're, we're mothers. We get it. We get it done. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all know how to make it work. <laughs> right. And it can even be as simple as a, as a dinner. Like if, if, if someone wants to like, oh, I want to do like a virtual dinner with my friends. It's my birthday. Something like that we would do. And it'd be like, you know, just let us know what what you want, what kind of birthday you want or what kind of dinner you're having. And we'll, we got you. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know what you need and we'll, we'll do it. Um, and so we're very flexible in that way too. Like it's just, it, and, and we try to make it fun and we try to cater it so it's personal to the person who wants to host the tasting too. Right. Every uh, experience that we provide, it, you know, it's, it's, it's different for everybody because everybody right. has different needs and we just want right. to make sure that it's a great experience for everybody. Absolutely. I love Absolutely. that. We're just having, we're having a great time. I'm, yeah. Time. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't even feel like work. I'm like, oh my God, if this could be work? Oh my God. I would be so beyond happy. So... No, that makes perfect sense. I love it. I love it. Well, I asked this question to everyone. It's our final question that we ask everybody. And of course, we have to ask you guys because it makes sense because you guys know a lot of good things. And I'm very curious to know this answer. What is your favorite rosés? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, oh, that's tough. (laughs) Okay. You go ahead. You go first. Okay. Okay. So, you know, typically... I was not a fan of rosé, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the conversations that right. Guleli and I had, and he yeah. introduced me to Whispering Angel, okay? That is the bomb, okay? It's so good. It's yeah. I love that one, too. I still so, so, because of Guleli, I started, like, exploring the rosés, right? Mm-hmm. So, McBride's sister came out with a, um, a brute, a sparkling mm-hmm. brute, and that is phenomenal. So I'm going to say that one. I'm having a, 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 I'm having trouble because there's two that I'm debating. So even though I still will always buy a Spring Angel every now and then, um, I tried, uh, this is Black Owned by um, a young man who makes his rosés in San Tropez. It's, um, La Fete Rosé. Yes. Um, so <laughs> Donate. Like, that one, that yes. One is delicious. I, <laughs> I was, you know, I ordered it just to see because I was like, okay, I'm gonna post about this. I want to see if, if, if this is the hype, you know. And oh my god, it was, you know. And I, God, I want to say compete with Whispering Angel. I, I, mean, I would love to do it like back to back, like have one bottle of Whispering Angel and stand it next to Fatih Rose, Fatih Duvalier, and see. Um, because it was just crisp and it was a little heavier in body, but it was so good. And then there's another one that I tried recently that's so good to its Alpha Omega. It's just a rosé from Napa Valley and it's beautiful. Like I was, I was again, I opened it. Like one of my girlfriends was like, oh, I have this from Napa Valley. It's so, it's high end. It's great. And I'm like, eh, we'll see about that because <laughs> it's rosé. Not right. all rosés are great. That's right. And I, and I had a glass and I was like, damn. So, you know, I, I'm stuck between that, but I got to say that Petit Du Rosé stands out. It, I could still taste 
um, the crisp in my, I can still taste it. Yes. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, so, you know, I might say that's my new favorite. I still will go back to the old favorite, but I, I got to say that's my new favorite. That's New Bay. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, this has been so much fun. And of course, we have to have you back and we got to have you on for our virtual show on Instagram because we're having way too much fun. We love you guys. Um, You guys have to follow Corology Vines. Um, You guys want to drop your social media for people to follow you? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's simple at Corology Vines on IG. Yeah. Then you have uh, Facebook at Corology Vines also. So follow, follow, follow. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. Yes, thank you. I had fun. Yay. So much fun. I feel energized. Like I had a cup of coffee. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, this is my third day without coffee, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> this is the worst, but it's the best because I'm with amazing people like you guys. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. All um, right, I'm ladies. Looking forward to doing this again. Yes. Great. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Wow, that was such a great interview. I want to thank our friends at Corology Vines. There are two teachers from New York, you guys, who love the who love wine. And I'm just so excited that we are part of their family. So follow them, Corology Vines, on social media. Um, they have great merch, so check them out. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to the founder, creator of Love Corkscrew and hear her story Um, because she's actually a wine store owner in Chicago. And you know what? That ain't easy because I'm from the city of wind and we got some strict rules about liquor. So check out her story coming up. friends it's Renee here at the Rose Hour podcast and today I am so excited because she is a fellow Chicagoan and she's probably the most amazing Chicagoan this side of the Mississippi because she is one of the best entrepreneurs she owns her own winery in Chicago Chicago proper right she's a queen she has her own LLC she's making and shaking and baking in the city doing great things making people happy because you know what she's solving the city's problems through wine the most uh-huh. amazing Christian. okay Yay. i think that's the best intro i've ever had hello <laughs> hey girl <laughs> Thanks hey. For having me. hello hello how thank you, thank thou? You how art thou awesome 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 chicago is awesome the night the weather is nice and breaking so i cannot complain and and we're heading on to wine season so I how, how am i gonna complain i mean <laughs> and you know summertime shy is coming to an end so yes how yes, are you yes, feeling yes. though you know what because we're in this new normal there really isn't i can't really talk about how there's seasons right now you know yeah. because we have been uh you know uh, 
overall locked in for so long that it, it's hard to, to, to think about the fact right. that, that what I would have done like last year and uh, it, it's definitely a different experience but uh, but I will say I'm ready for the fall and again I'm ready for wine season so let's yes. go yes yes ready for wine season because that's every every season is wine season in Chicago <laughs> me <laughs> And Mayor Mayor uh, Lori is keeping y'all together. So that's all that matters. Absolutely. She is. Auntie Lori is keeping us together. Right. Auntie Lori. That's right. She is the everybody's auntie. Everybody. So uh, less about Auntie Lori and more about you because you have one of the most amazing like businesses ever. How did you even get into it? And, and like in Chicago, owning a winery. Gosh, you know, I'll, I'll tell the short of it because it's such an intricate story. Um, but it started off with uh, working in sales and marketing. I've been in sales and marketing about 25 years now and accelerating that to owning my own art gallery and bar. So I had a partnership. We had a, a wonderful art gallery called Three Peas Art Lounge. And uh, we had a full bar and I wrote the wine list. We ended up winning Chicago's Best in 2009 uh, as the best wine list. And I kind of knew I had a knack for it. I then worked in the distribution side as well in sales. And I had one of the largest territories in Illinois. And I sold to golf courses, restaurants, bars. And everyone would sell, tell me the same thing. They would say, you know what, Krishan, we really want to support local. We want to support small batch wines, more boutique wines as well. You know, I'm sick of you selling us this, you know, this crap that, that you have to sell us. We really want to support local. So I decided to um, take you know, both sides of that, the, the bar ownership side and knowing what clients want. I took the distribution side and hearing um, sales and, and what restaurants and golf courses and, and bars wanted. And I said, I'm going to do the impossible, what everyone said I can't do. Um, and a lot of people at first, ah, how in the world you can do, you don't have your own vineyard. How the heck are you going to do this? And I said, you know, watch me. And uh, 2013, uh, gosh, up till now, eight years later, uh, going on eight years in business, over 300,000 bottles sold. So I did the impossible. What? Wait, no, yeah. you need to repeat that number out loud again for the people in yes. the back. Over 300,000 bottles of Love Corkscrew sold and growing. And it, it's wow. been the funny thing is, and, and understand I'm still very small in that sense. You know, there's this, this is a very, very large industry, but I will say this uh, to come from pretty much grassroots uh, in this industry to where I'm at now and to have the longevity I've had of eight years. It feels great. And and I've always been a hard worker and, and I'm excited to see Love Corkscrew grow. Wow. Love Corkscrew. Where did the name come from first before we get into the three Girl, I can't yeah. even repeat that number because that, that number is so amazing of how many bottles sold. Like, wow. But it's let's so, get into the name first. Yeah, yeah. We started, actually, I started as a blog. It was my way to vent. Uh, we had lost the art gallery to a really awful flood that was caused by baby wipes. Imagine that from Ooh. the condo owners above us. They flushed them down the toilet and backed into our storefront. So we lost everything. So it was my outlet, um, a way to talk about, you know, everything that everyone wanted me to talk about. I was always the person that people would ask for, where's the hottest club or the restaurant or what bottle of wine should I bring to my friend's house? I was that gal. So I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to vent because I'm in a very dark place right now. And, and everyone keeps asking me the same thing. And we you know when I'm just under my covers. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start writing a blog. I'm terrible at it, but back then, uh, around 2011, it was a, yeah, that was the thing. Mm -hmm. So I started writing a blog and it was called Love 
corkscrew. The love section were funny things that would happen in the art gallery, especially single women owning a bar. The cork section was my varietal picks and restaurant picks. And the screw section was a wild card talking about pop culture and things happening. So it's just turned into from a, to a blog to a radio show and by the time I came it would love corkscrew uh, wine it I was seriously sitting saying what am I going to call this brand it was so ridiculous and I woke up in the, one morning I was like duh love corkscrew I mean that's who I am right um, and that's what people know um and to this day you know people say oh my god wait you're the love corkscrew or they say you're the wine lady uh a lot of people don't even know my name and I love it I, I absolutely love it so that's the short of it that's the quick of it <laughs> wow but like to be that's also symbi- symbiotic right like to be love a cork and screw like it is so many things of what you've been through you know like you got yes. screwed essentially in your business i mean the love you have for it and the passion and then now where you are in your business the cork you know like jesus christ like come on talk about full circle and jesus blessings come on blessing on blessings like Uh, upon blessing and and there's so many people that i mentor that i talk to all the time that that tells them that your passion follows you and and it will all make sense and it's hard to think that as you're going through things but i'm one who lived it I lived it. Um, and uh, my passion followed me and here I am today. Wow. That's bananas. And okay, so wine, wine making. Are you the wine maker? So I'm a negociant. So I am taking part in every single ounce of everything that goes within the bottle. So it's me traveling uh, to different vineyards. I'm, I'm working uh, with them. I'm I'm literally picking out from the residual sugar down to the acidity. Everything goes through my fingers. Um, so no, I'm not the one stomping the grapes. I'm not running the machines myself, but I am taking part in every little ounce that goes in these bottles. So they are all my formula and uh, they're mine. They're my UPCs, as I always say. Wow. So what kind of uh, wines do you have? So I have seven different varietals. I have a Vino Blanco, which is a dry effervescence, um, borderline sparkling wine. Um, I have a Concord and a Niagara. Those are Touch the Sky and, and Hard Knock Life. Those are my sweet lover's wine. And then I have a wonderful Riesling, Pinot Grigio, as well as a Rosé. And lastly, I have my Cabernet Sauvignon called We're Moving On Up. Uh, each of my wines are actually called by a catchphrase. Um, and it's a great way to remember the wines and remember the love cork stew that uh, wine that you like and the varietal picks that you, you prefer. So uh, it's really fun, fun. And, and I always say, you know, enjoy it, drink it, don't overthink it. I love that. So what would you say if somebody's like trying to get into this industry would be like one of the things that they should or ought to do um, as like a first step? Learn the business, learn it and learn it through lessons, through school, through through everything that's offered right now. You know, again, I come from the grassroots of it um, and I wouldn't suggest anyone, you know, follow my path um, because it was a very difficult one and it was definitely Russian roulette. So I would like people to actually go uh, take a WeSet course. There's so many great courses that you can take online to even see if there's something that even makes sense just because you like wine doesn't mean that you're going to enjoy being in this industry. It's very cutthroat. It's very difficult. It's a lot of multitasking. And there's so many moving parts um, that you have to, have to, have to be deep into this industry. And it's very, very difficult, Um, especially now. 
especially now. I mean, we're talking a lot of the restaurants are closed during COVID. I lost 85% of my accounts wow. uh, when COVID hit. So it's it's very, very, very difficult. So I want people to really look into it and use this time, uh, this downtime uh, during this period to really study. And there's so many grants out. There's so mm-hmm. much money out there. So take advantage of that. That's what I want people to take advantage of it. And then it'll all make sense. You'll know what to do. Yeah. And and one thing that I know, like bartender Ben, who's who's uh, my co-host here at the Rose Hour podcast, he's really into small business. And one thing he loves to tell people is to do their research and understand, like, what type of business you're getting yourself into. Um, yeah, it sounds like you're also one of those people who are like, get to know what it is you're trying to do. Do the research, understand the business you're getting into. What what is something in the wine industry would you say people do not understand that they should really get to know that you are like, you definitely should tell people about? (laughs) Gosh, the assumption that you're literally just drinking wine all day. Mm. And it's so funny. It seems like that's so trivial, but no, people really think that. They think as negotiant, I just go around tasting wine, swirling glasses all day. Um, And that's far from the truth. It's (laughs) So much work involved. Um, there's so many things involved. Again, there's so many moving parts, different people you have to deal with. There's so many legalities right. that people don't know. You know, some still are under the notion that you just can make some wine at home and, and sell it. That's illegal. Right. So there, there's so many moving parts and, and legalities that people just have no idea. And it's so highly regulated that it's not as much money in this business as people think. Right. Uh, again, it's something that you have to absolutely love doing um, and, and be passionate about. Otherwise, it's not going to make sense. And I know it won't make sense in your pockets when you re- realize how expensive this industry is. Yeah, it, it seems like the wine industry is one of the most expensive industries it is. And Hands like, down. The ROI on it is not what people expect it to be. Tiny, tiny, tiny. I I will definitely say that. Um, Controversial, (laughs) I'll say it's probably the most expensive. I don't know for sure, but I can tell you one thing in my pockets looking like it is. Definitely a very expensive, expensive thing to get into. Um, And and again, because there's so many people, there's so many middlemen that have to be involved uh, mm-hmm. to make everything uh, legalized. Uh, you know, by the time it gets down to you, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> everybody, right. got, everybody got paid before I did. Right. Because uh, so you got to pay the guy lot. with the sugar. You got to pay the guy with the grapes. Yes. You got to pay the guy with the barrel. Yes. And everyone everybody. forgets the transportation of all the My things. too. Gosh. And then when it arrives, people don't understand that, no, the, the grocery store is not paying me direct. They're paying the distributor. Yeah. The distributor has to pay their salespeople. It's so much involved um, mm. that, that, that people don't get. So, yeah, I, I would want to challenge people to really, really uh, get really involved in research uh, prior to just thinking it's, it's just drinking wine all day because it's definitely not. Well, and I know, like, there's been so many lists lately and. I get diversity within the wine industry has been lacking and it still lacks. That's why there were lists that came out because of COVID. And I, you know, I'm all about these lists where they support black winemakers and wine companies and all of that. But I'm also Mm -hmm. like, we should also continue supporting post COVID because this surge of support does not help a business structure 
post-COVID. Not at all. Um, and I'll say this, um, and, and I've said it on, on other outlets that, uh, you know, the, the coin phrase that people are using, um, that this is not a moment, this is a movement. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of sense, you have to take advantage of this moment. Because yeah. I believe it's going to be very difficult to turn it into a movement that takes time. Yeah. And sure, sure, when this when things happened, all of a sudden uh, the lists were shared uh, with the number one wineries. Um, I've been on most majority of all those lists, and yes, we have had an uptick of of people purchasing online and and, and sales and, and awareness. Absolutely. So I, I cannot knock that. But yes. The question is, how long will that last? Um, you never want it to feel like, okay, someone, they did it. Okay, we bought one bottle of, of brown-owned wine, and now I can move on to right. never pay attention to them again. And, of course, that that goes through my head, as I'm sure it's going through other African-American winemakers. Said like, okay, is this going to continue? Is this support going to continue? And, you know, all we can do is watch and see what happens. But, again, take advantage of the moment. Um, to help turn it into a movement. We can't just think that all of a sudden we are going to get known and, and all, you know, get glorified forever. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. Well, I would just say, personally, listeners, people, supporters, buy more Love Court True. Do not <laughs> just do this because they were on a list. If you right. saw them on a list, buy because of the list but continue purchasing because it's great wine yes and and i've had that conversation with people well that you know of course i'm excited uh where clients are buying it because of the list but that's the beauty of love corkscrew and the reason why i've been around for so long it's not just let me buy to support it's actually wait a minute but i actually enjoy this wine yeah. This wine really is good. Yes. Um, and, and there's so many um, gifts that, that get given of Love Corks for each season. And so there definitely are clients who've been around a long time and it's not just support. They really enjoy the product. And, and that means so much more. That means so much more. I agree. I agree. And you know what? You are doing such amazing work. And um, I know you do a lot in the entrepreneurial space in Chicago. Um, I know you work with the Chicago Sky and so many groups and organizations. How did you get plugged into sort of like the world of entrepreneurship in Chicago? It's funny. I think it. I'll, I'll keep it very simple that I think it was really based on my transparency mm. um, through social media. Um, I've always been extremely transparent for people to watch my journey because my philosophy has always been if I can touch one person to follow their dreams and I've done my job. Yes. So I'm always very, very vocal um, about my journey, whether it's good, bad and different, what's going on. So I have some people that reach out to me and say, Krishana, I've been watching you for 10 years. You know, I've been watching your journey for years and years. So um, I have always been transparent through the ups and downs. I'm always asking. I'm asking for the sale. You got to ask. If I have accounts that the the product isn't moving, I post it and I say, hey, y'all, I need your help. Let's move Love Quirks through out of here. Let's sell it. I need your help. I still need your help. And and that is, is the honest truth. I have not made it yet. Um, so I need help. And I think my transparency um, has really put me in the entrepreneurial world. And of course, I do a lot of mentoring uh, because of my transparency, because I will tell people my journey. I will tell people how I feel about it. Um, I will tell them my, um, you know, definitely my faults mm-hmm. and the things I did wrong so they can do it right. That's right. 
I'm here for all of you. All of you. Okay, so I have to ask this question too. Where did you go to school? I went to Western Illinois University um, where I got my Bachelor of Science. Um, and then I uh, graduated also from FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. Yes. Now, if we're going to go back to the high school days, I actually grew up in the burbs of Chicago. So I grew up in Donner's Grove. So I moved to the city in, oh gosh, showing my age, in 1997. So I've been in the Hyde Park area ever since. Wait, okay. So did you go to Donner's Grove north or south? South. I went to Donner's Grove South. Okay, I went to Waukegan. So we were rival uh, high schools. Yes. Ah. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Yes. That's absolutely hilarious. So yes. Okay. Definitely different. Definitely the, the outskirts of Chicago is definitely different from the city. It but is definitely I'm, I'm different. Men, but I'm in Hyde Park, North Kenwood area. And again, I've been in this area since 97 and uh, I love it. So much history. And, yes. and I just love it. I love it. It's beautiful. And I'm glad that you're there because you're part of this historic moment of Chicago, uh, having a winery there. Uh, keeping it also, you know, very diversified um, as we are losing some of that amazing historic diversity in that community. And so thank you for being a voice there and also showing that entrepreneurship um, spirited women. You know, I am just so uh, amazed and also just thankful for you. You're, You're such a beacon, you know, in the community. So thank you for all you do. We love like it. I always say, if, if I can help anyone uh, follow their dreams, that's what I'm here to do. And and I I, I just have to I have to I have to do it. I have to be here uh, to help others. And and uh, it's, it's my journey. My journey. Well, your journey is amazing, and your journey is all of us watching, and we're so thankful for it. So, how can people follow you and purchase some amazing Love Corkscrew wines? lovecorkscrew.com tells it all lovecorkscrew.com has my locations uh you can purchase it online um follow me on all uh social media love corkscrew that's how you find me yes i love simplicity simplicity is key (laughs) love it my final question to you i know this is going to be a hard one what's your favorite rosé Oh, gosh. We Go High by Love Corkscrew. Ah, yes. So get you guys a bottle today. Get you a bottle. Get you a case. Get you two cases. Please do. Please do. We Go High by Love Yes. Get you some. Get you some Love Corkscrew rosé all day. Yes. Please, please, please. Rashad, this has been so much fun. We got to have you on for our virtual happy hour uh, so the people can see you, do a tasting with you. We just need more of you. I would love it anytime. Oh, we thank you so much for your time. Cheers. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for Sean for such a great interview and also a fellow Chicagoan. So have to, of course... To Krishan. Want to thank both of our guests, uh, Love Court Crew and Crew Allergy Vines, for being on our show today. Want to thank bartender Ben, Angeliate, and Magdalene, uh, and all the team here, the sound engineers at Fairhill Studios, the number one studio here in the DMV, uh, for all that they do for production here at the Rosie Hour podcast. Uh, check us out, like, follow, and subscribe to us on all social media. We are the Rosie Hour podcast on all social media. And 
Also check out our website, therosiehourpodcast.com. Uh, don't forget again to subscribe so you can get that notification every week when we post new episodes. And because we have been interviewing our bananas off. Yeah, bananas. I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. Our bunions off. Buns. Whatever. Uh, we are bringing you a couple of interviews a week. So you may get more than one episode. I don't know. It just all depends on how the week turns out. So stay tuned. Subscribe, like, follow, and tell a friend. Uh, and don't forget, be nice to people. It's hard out here. And you know what? Just tell someone, thank you for being a friend. You know, travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. Uh, you're a friend and a confidant. And if you threw a party and, and invited everybody you knew, you'll see the biggest gift would be for me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. So, yay! Cheers to you and all you do. See you next week. Pew, 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 pew.